Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off, hand off Jacobs, has the first down of the goal, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz, he is smothered, and brought down, Max Crosby came around for the sack! Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun, back to pass, climbs the pocket, eyes downfield, fires a strike to Devontae at the 25, breaks away 20, 15. 10, 5, dives, touchdown Raiders! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as I am in Lotus's building today in our beautiful studios. And I'm excited to be here as we are on the road to the Super Bowl. All next week, we'll be broadcasting from the Phoenix Convention Center. We're excited about that, and we love all our proud partners, including PTs, as they fuel the monologue as they help us get out there to Phoenix. I think this is my 25th radio row, which is a milestone for me from the time I started. So I've been an animal out there. I'm not going to be that big of an animal anymore. I can't go from the pace of 7.30 in the morning till 11 at night when my show used to get off the air. But we'll be there, and we'll be grinding, and we're trying to get you guests. I always get you the Raider Hall of Famers, the legends, the Super Bowl MVPs, and we have a conversation. And Radio Row and the trip out there, wherever the Super Bowl is, it could be kind of agonizing for some shows because they have to talk about some new product and some new shampoo and some new you know, hot sauce and all that. That's part of it. If you're going to sit down with Joe Montana and Joe Montana's promoting something, you got to promote something for Joe. That's part of the deal. But we try to keep it to Raiders, and we'll do the Raiders Roundtable on Tuesday and Thursday. I hope you're all subscribed for that on YouTube, and you've been getting that. And hopefully we'll have some really good information as we're getting closer to finding out what's going to happen at the quarterback position, what's going to happen leading up to the Super Bowl. Traditionally, the late, great Al Davis liked to make news. During Radio Row, he did. He liked to make news. There was always Raider news hanging around this time. Something happening, a player, whatever it was going to be. And then a couple of years ago, the big news was when the Raiders were getting the vote and the Raiders were going to go to Vegas. And then the Raiders lost their funding. And Vinny Bonsignor and I were the only two people on God's green earth that was aware of that, knowing that the funding fell out and there was going to be easy funding coming in from a bank to help do that all. And the next thing you know, that stadium that was built for $1.9 billion with a B is worth well more than that now. The Raider franchise has probably doubled in net asset value since that Super Bowl. And life's pretty good, other than the fact that the Raiders are trying to win a Super Bowl. they got to fix the roster to do that. So what I wanted to open up the show with today, we've got some pretty good guests. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate will tell you how to bet. And I want to interview him mostly on the chaos of last week on what happened with the poor officiating, what happened with the Cincinnati-Kansas City game from a gaming perspective, and what he saw over at the Westgate Sportsbook and how crazy that was. Uh, if you're a gambler, stick around for that at 1245. That should be really good. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk at the bottom of the hour and one of the greatest sports talk hosts of all time, Mike North, will join us next hour, also from a gambling perspective, because we want to talk to the gamblers and the Sharps on how they're going to bet the game. So today, there were a couple things I wanted to talk about until we got the breaking news that Derek Carr is once again a pro bowler. And that's breaking the internet in the Raider Nation. So Tyler Huntley, 
Tyler Huntley of the Baltimore Ravens. I thought this was a joke. I really did. I thought it was a joke. You know, sometimes you look at there's a fake Adam Schefter, there's fake accounts. I saw Tyler Huntley to the Pro Bowl, and I said, there's no possible bleeping way Tyler Huntley can go to the Pro Bowl. I mean, there's no chance. Huntley threw two touchdown passes this season, the fewest far for a quarterback selected to the Pro Bowl since 1970. I Again, I thought it was a bleeping joke. I looked at it and I said, who's joking here? I mean, remember, we just came off a game in Philadelphia where a quarterback couldn't play for the NFC West champs and a title contender in the Niners. They didn't have a quarterback in the third and fourth quarter to play. Their quarterback couldn't throw a forward pass due to injury. And then Derek Carr comes in as an alternate. A fourth alternate, Huntley, was added to replace Josh Allen, who's actually playing golf at Pebble Beach. They're claiming it's an elbow injury. Take it from me. I play golf. If your elbow is injured as a football player, you cannot play golf. All right? If if your elbow is injured from playing football, I can promise you you can't play golf to any ability because you're a football player and your elbow is hurt. And he's not showing up to it at all. But let's concentrate here on the first half hour of the show on Derek Carr. Okay, I don't do your game show questions, but I might bend the rules today, Bobby. Derek Carr to the Pro Bowl is blank. Derek Carr going to the Pro Bowl is blank. Fill in it. You do it on Twitter, at JT the Brick, whatever you want to say. I like Derek. Derek's going to his fourth Pro Bowl. He shouldn't be going to the Pro Bowl. Nor should Tyler Huntley be going to the Pro Bowl. I'm not into these alternates. And this is a flag football game. Do we all understand this? It's a flag football game with contests. You don't have to come to the Pro Bowl and be added to the Pro Bowl roster. There's no game. There's no Pro Bowl game. It's a flag football exhibition. And we're adding people to the flag football game? This is insanity. Am I the only sane person on God's green earth that thinks this is crazy? Tyler Huntley, the rest of his life, will be interviewed and introduced as a pro bowler. I do it all the time. Steve Wisniewski, eight-time pro bowler. Lincoln Kennedy, three-time pro bowler. Marcel Reese, four-time pro bowler. You know the difference is? Those guys deserved it. They actually played a game. Marcel Reese went to four Pro Bowls. If he's listening, he really was a Pro Bowler. He played in the game. He blocked. He got in the game. So now we got guys in a flip. This is like saying, okay, we're going to have a long drive contest and a ping pong tournament and a dodgeball tournament, and we're short of guys because no one wants to come here. No one wants to play. Um, So let's add people and give them the title Pro Bowler? Oh, my God. I think I came up with it 15 or 20 years ago when I said, We are becoming a softer and softer sports society by the minute. Load management, I was right on that. I was one of the first guys talking load management. I was on the air the night Greg Popovich sent his star players home from Miami when they were healthy. That was the birth of load management. I was on the air live when it happened. And now I'm sitting here today seeing that Tyler Huntley and Derek Carr are pro bowlers for a flag football game where they're not even playing tackle football. So for Derek, I'm happy. If Derek wants to be considered a four-time Pro Bowler, he is. 
So I used to introduce Derek Carr as a three-time Pro Bowler. I guess I'm going to have to go forward and introduce him as a four-time Pro Bowler. Three and a half. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, three and a half. And then what's going to happen in years to come? All these guys, years to come, it's going to be, well, let's welcome in. I'm doing an event Friday night, which I hope you can come to. we got a big event coming up at Resorts World with Warren Moon, Charles Woodson, and Shannon Sharp. When I introduce those guys, I'm going to say Hall of Famers. I'm not going to count the Pro Bowls, but if we do a chalk talk, maybe this topic comes up. Warren Moon, how many Pro Bowls did you go to? Eleven. Uh, Shannon Sharp, how many did you go to? So then you talk about their Pro Bowl history. It actually mattered. They took their wives and kids to Hawaii. They played a football game, and they actually tackled people. Now we have the Pro Bowl here, and we've turned it into a flag football event, which is fine. I think it's great for the kids, phenomenal for the kids. And we're going to give guys another title of Pro Bowler? We're going to just throw it away? We're going to take this once proud honor and make a mockery of it? Really? When the hell did that happen? Who back in the executive offices of the NFL decided to add Tyler Huntley to the Pro Bowl? Tyler Huntley. And Derek Carr's behind Tyler Huntley. That's what makes this such a mockery. Derek Carr should start the Pro Bowl. If Josh Allen doesn't want to play, Patrick Mahomes can't play. On the NFC side, Aaron Rodgers would never play in this crap, right? He doesn't want to be a part of this. Tom Brady, right? No, no, no. So we're going to start giving guys Pro Bowl titles and say you're a Pro Bowler? Wow. I am, I'm shocked by this. Maybe I'm just too crazy. I'm over the top. What do you think about this? I want to hear from some Raider fans right now. If you want to congratulate Derek and say, Congratulations, Derek. You're a pro bowler in a flag football game. Come on. And if it's going to make this a better experience for Derek to come and say goodbye, and if there is a wave and a tip of the cap, I don't know what cap he's going to wear. He's still a Raider. He's under contract and all of that, which we'll get to. That might be a great thing. That might be fantastic if Derek Carr gets on a microphone or does something there, which I don't know if it's going to happen. I have no idea. But what are some of you hardcore fans listening to me? You know, or even the Johnny-come-lately new fans to football, which is fine. What do you think about this? Am I making too much out of this? Because I think everybody should be invited to the little flag football game. Okay? I think the moms of the players should have juice boxes. Everybody should be there. Everybody should hang out, take selfies with the kids, and have a great time. We're giving these guys Pro Bowl titles when they're filling in for guys who are playing golf at Pebble Beach. And guys who are faking injury and saying, I just played last week. I'm not right. I don't want to go. So, boom, Tyler Huntley, you're a pro bowler? This guy, Tyler Huntley, uh, if I was him, I would go out and buy for the family T-shirts pro bowler. Tyler Huntley. i tell everybody in the world I was a pro bowler. Incredible. Again, I think the phones work here, 702-365-9200. If you think I'm insane on this and you think it's great, and if you want to congratulate, look at this. When the initial Pro Bowl rosters were announced in December, Patrick Mahomes was named the starter. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow were backups. The alternates were Tua Tungavailoa and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. Now we are down to a Pro Bowl. We are down to Tyler Huntley. We are down to Derek Carr. This is completely outlandish and insane. Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders 
and Trevor Lawrence, that's fine, of the Jacksonville Jaguars were added to the Pro Bowl roster as we sit here on Tuesday. Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr, and Trevor Lawrence, they step in for Patrick Mahomes, who's in the Super Bowl, Josh Allen, who's playing in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Tua, who's concussed, and he's not concussed now. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you now he's walking around fine. I, I guess he can't play? Is the league afraid to put him on a free flight first class out here? And Herbert's got a shoulder injury. He had labrum surgery. And Lamar Jackson is knee. Let me ask you this one in case this is too complicated. Maybe let me let me simple it down a little bit for you here. Would you accept would you accept being a sixth alternate in the Pro Bowl? Would you? Would you accept being a sixth alternate? If someone said to you, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Tua, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson can't play in this flag football game along with Tua. So I just named, let me count that again, Bobby. What is it? I can't believe this. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Six guys can't play in this flag football tournament. So they go to Trevor Lawrence, seven. Then they go to Huntley, eight. And Derek Carr, nine. Did I get that right? Is Carr eight or is he ninth on this list? Wow. Do we got to have someone go into Wikipedia and change these Pro Bowls from three to four? From zero to one? From two to three? We gotta, do we got to hire a programmer, a guy who writes code to go into Wikipedia and say that these guys who are the seventh alternate of Pro Bowlers? Man, my head's about to pop. I feel like I'm talking to myself on this topic. It's incredible to me. And I, I just, I'm shocked by this topic because everybody in Raider Nation is like celebrating. Congratulations, Derek. Congratulations, Derek. Congratulations, Derek. I agree. If Derek Carr wants to accept this Pro Bowl honor, he should. Because somewhere down the road, and hopefully it's me, if I'm lucky enough, 20 years from now or eight years from now, and Derek comes back, once a Raider, always a Raider, and I get an opportunity to say, hey, it's eight-time Pro Bowler Derek Carr. He's going to be an eight-time Pro Bowler. People, here's the problem. If you're all pro and you get snubbed by Max Crosby, Max Crosby should have been an all-pro. He's a legitimate Pro Bowler. Now we have to figure out who's a real Pro Bowler, who's a Pro Bowl alternate, which we did in the past. Lincoln Kennedy was an alternate one year. He talked about it with me. Eric Allen's a six-time Pro Bowler. Six time. So if you're an alternate, you know, 20 years ago, that's still a high honor. Can you imagine being a third or fourth alternate for a flag football game and a dodgeball game? You're only going to be able to play in the dodgeball game because you were the seventh or eighth quarterback selected. I mean, I just think we're, we're in a world right now where people just don't care about sports. I might, might, I might be one of the last of the Mohicans on all this stuff. I, I don't get it. They, they ruined the hockey all-star game. I, I like the skills contest. The skills contest is great. You take them out to the Bellagio Lake. You have Mark Stone try to shoot a puck into a net with the fountains going up. That's fun. Kids love that. The NBA All-Star Game, the biggest joke until the final four minutes of the game where they're playing for money. Final four minutes of the game, they're playing for money. The final four minutes of an NBA All-Star Game is good. The rest of it's a layup line. Guys throwing alley-oops from half court. Guys missing and just giggling and laughing. How about that? 30 years ago, that game wire-to-wire -wire was played hard. 
Havlicek, the legends played that game all out. The only all-star game that's left that's really good is the baseball all-star game. And do you know why? There's such a deep tradition with Ted Williams, Pete Rose, Thurman Munson, the history of the game, even Mike Trout, modern-day player, they want to win that game so badly that the commissioner wants them to play their ass off. And the league presidents of the National League and the American League used to sit Pete Rose down and say, you need to win this game. And now in baseball, it's so tough to hit a baseball off a pitcher in the third inning who's a closer and one of the best closers. He pitches the third inning of an All-Star game. No one's got a chance. (laughs) No one's got a chance. You watch the MLB All-Star game the last five, six years, batters come to the plate, they they can't even swing their bat. The pitchers are coming in and mowing them down. So that's a legitimate all-star game. The NFL, the most powerful sport in the world, behind one, World Cup soccer. It's World Cup soccer by a million miles. Then it's the NFL. And they've made a mockery out of this. Now, as I say this, let me also say I love the Pro Bowl for business in Las Vegas. Las Vegas for business and the economy and the hotel rooms and all that. This makes a lot of sense. We want to get the Pro Bowl every year. We got F1. We have the Super Bowl this year. We have two NASCAR races. One's a playoff. We have the rodeo. Right? We have a regional, a regional college basketball game. We have the kickoff classic. We're going to get a Final Four game in football and college football. So any chance that you could have that airport fill up and have people and taxi drivers and Uber drivers and cocktail servers and front desk workers, and everybody have great jobs here in this town because of tourism. I'm behind it. But come on, man. Alternate. Being named today as a pro bowler. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to sit here and tell you this is legitimate? I'm supposed to fake that this stuff is real and do a show on it and give away prizes on the pro bowl because the quarterback of the team is no longer going to be here? who is the seventh or eighth alternate, is going to add Pro Bowl to his legacy, which is a good one. I, I just don't know. I don't know what to say about it anymore other than to just be Captain Obvious and bring it up to you. Wow, man. Wow. I put a lot of time in my whole life to being a sports fan. I put a lot of time in. Forget about 26 years on the radio. I put in a lot longer than that being a fan. And I'm just watching fandom get destroyed right in front of us, man. Gangster Raider, happy birthday. Thanks for leading us off today. Go ahead. Gangster Raider, you're on the radio. Go ahead. Okay, he's not ready to be on the radio, which is beautiful today. Now I got you. Happy birthday. Go ahead. Thank you, man. Hey, I was sitting here thinking, you know, know, my birthday is January 31st today. Raider Nation, you know, the Raiders' birthday was... I'm like, it's only fitting that my birthday is the day after theirs. And, you know, in hindsight, it's a whole year since we hired McDaniels. And I um I still like to hire. I appreciate, you know, McDaniels and what he's done so far, even though a lot of Raider Nation don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I also think that uh, I want you to ask him uh, when you get a chance that do he think he could have did anything better or if he did anything different in his first mm-hmm. year. You know what I mean? But also I want to say that I feel that – um. We shouldn't have to pick any one of those quarterbacks. We should just stick with Stidham and fill up to all the other holes or whatever. But I know you want to go big because of the um, Vegas and Super Bowl. But I think we can still get there this year with Stidham and we get proper um, mm-hmm. proper backup or a veteran, you know what I'm saying, to go behind them or even one out the draft. 
That's what I think. Okay. And also, also I want to say, I think the Raider Nation, we in a good space, in a good space right now as an organization. We just need to stop selling those tickets to the organization. Can we set up something to where the, the, if the Raider fans, if they want to sell their tickets, they sell them only to Raider fans? Because that's mm-hmm. that's my biggest thing about where we are right now mm-hmm. is that the opposing teams invading our um used to be sure. home field advantage. You know what I mean? So gotcha. I think we need to put something in place for that. Otherwise, I think our future is looking glorious. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's mm-hmm. tripping about, you know, the quarterback change, but – you know what I'm saying? We 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 if the, continue doing the same thing is the definition of the sanity, right? right. JT. Okay. So if we want to uh, get back to greatness, we had to shake it up a little bit. That's all I'm saying, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I want to say shout out to all the Raider Nation that got birthdays today with me. And remember, yesterday was the Raiders' birthday, January 30th. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So everybody, just remember why you became a Raider fan and try to bring more Raider fans to the Raider Nation. You know what I'm saying? Because we own our own path to greatness, and don't let us down. You know what I'm saying? And oh exactly. yeah, to the young, the young Raider fans that's 30 and older who never really seen great Raiders. I'm telling you, we're coming back. Don't give up on mm-hmm. it, because my son. They all in the same boat. They never really seen great Raider teams. They just got the memories of us. But trust me, they come and hang in there. Stay silver and black. You know what I'm saying? You got the intestinal fortitude to stick with us, and we're gonna be great again. Let's go, Raiders! Have a happy birthday, gangster Raider. Thanks for the call. You know he's a guy that can handle a Josh McDaniels conversation and look towards the future. Others can't because you're still upset about the record last year. And you have the right to do that. This is a free radio show for you to express your opinions if you show respects. Gangster Raider is able to do that. I am no longer, I never was on the board of the ticket police. I don't, I don't sit, all I can do on my radio show is say try to sell your tickets or give them away to Raider fans. I can't patrol your phone and your ticket account and see who you sell your tickets to. Obviously, there's too many fans uh, giving up their tickets to opposing fans. And however that gets figured out, it's going to take winning more. And when it comes to the quarterback, again, it's not about me wanting to go big. It's not about me wanting to go big. It's about me wanting to see the Raiders win. And you have a better chance to win with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You have a great chance to win with those guys. You could win. You could win with Jared Stidham, Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of my friends say when we play golf or whatever, go big or go home. You know, yeah, you want to hit a ball over water. It's 200 yards. You don't think you can get there? Go big or go home. Lay up. You're 200 yards out, lay up with a wedge. Do two wedges and go for it there. You want to hit a wedge here at quarterback? Or do you want to go big? The only way you're going to go big was with Brady and Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. That would take a lot. That's why we've been talking about it and we'll remain on that topic. Go big or go home. Hardcore Raider kicking it off on the flagship today. What's happening? Hey, JT, you're not crazy at all, man. I mean, we live in this, uh, and some people won't agree with me, but I want to say it anyways. We live in this meat society where everybody's getting participation trophies. You know, I'm 40. I remember back in the day, I used to get excited about the Pro Bowl and who was going in, and, you know, you'd see, you know, some good play from some awesome players. My opinion of this is, is that a lot of these players, and beyond just the Pro Bowl, is they're so worried about their contracts and getting hurt that they just want to live out their contract. And I think that these players are more worried about money than they are about producing and doing a lot better for the team that they play for. I mean, there's a lot of garbage stats that come on uh, with certain, certain players that can have like comeback yards and stuff, even if uh, you, you lose because defenses are playing soft. But my point is, is that I think the whole entire market, especially with quarterback, I think it's so inflated, and I, I don't believe that these guys should be making this much money. Now, I, I agree. Like, you know, I know these guys are putting their like lives on the line, 
But had Derek Carr taken an actual like pay friendly contract, like twenty twenty five million, he might still be a Raider. And he said he gave us a team friendly contract. It was not a team friendly contract either time, in my opinion. So the reality is, like, how how are we giving participation trophies to these guys that are making buco bucks mm-hmm. that don't produce? It's it's mind blowing to me. And there's some guys that are worth it. Devontae Adams, he's worth it. I think Josh Jacobs is worth it. But to pay a quarterback. Uh, like, you know, a Jimmy G or uh, Brady over $30 million, if the Raiders hit, uh, miss on that, that's a huge miss in my opinion. You cannot pay these, overpay these guys their money. You know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he, I don't think he's worth that. Maybe Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is, but all these other guys, they're making way too much money versus what they're producing. It's inflating mm-hmm. the market, just like the housing market, stock market, mm-hmm. and everything else. Fair like, enough. Whatever. Appreciate I mean. the call. How, fair enough on that. Look, I don't think that quarterbacks – you know, I, I connect with the old legends of the game, and I'm going to see Warren Moon this weekend. Look at what Warren Moon made and Jim Kelly made. Jim Kelly, at t- when he came and he went to the USFL and came to the league, was the highest-paid quarterback, didn't throw a pass. Okay, Then Dan Marino, he, Dan Marino went to one Super Bowl and lost. He's one of the greats of all time. Now to see these guys making five to ten times more is ridiculous. So we're at a point now where a quarterback could make $50 million a year, which is insane because they only play 17 games. You want them to play in the playoffs. They don't. You know, Lamar Jackson didn't play in the playoffs this year. You know, Derek Carr didn't play in the playoffs. And I thought that Derek took a fair deal. Come on. Derek Carr basically signed an extension for three years that had a one year out. And he didn't make it to the end of the year. He knew what he was signing. He wanted the no trade clause. He got it. And I think Derek's going to get paid that amount of money or maybe more or a little bit less because he's a quarterback. But what are we going to do? Because the next Amazon and YouTube company comes in and they throw another billion or two dollars at the NFL. What are we going to do? We're going to give quarterbacks 70 million a year for 17 games. The caller made a great point. There should be, I don't believe in caps in sports, but it gets to a point where it's insane. Like golfers now, all of a sudden, because live golf came about the PGA tour found a basket of new money. What are we going to do? Give a golfer $3 million to play golf from Thursday to Sunday. Cause he wins a tournament. There's gotta be a point where the numbers stop. Just like, as he said perfectly, real estate or the stock market. You know, the Dow Jones, people think it's at 30000 or was at 30000 and the Dow now is at 33000 Well, look, if the Dow could go to 70000 which would be a double, but maybe the Dow is going to slip down to 22000 <laughs> So there's no guarantees, but there are guarantees for these quarterbacks to make a lot of money. Resorts World, can't wait to be there. I'll be there this Friday night and Saturday night. Eight Cigar Lounge is the place to be. A lot of good opportunity there at Resorts World to watch football, college or pro, at Doghouse, or the interactive sports bar Red Tail that they have there. More and more activations over at Resorts World. More stores are opening up, restaurants, because it's the most expensive and biggest new property on the Strip. If you haven't been there, go visit our proud partner, Resorts World, right here on Raider Nation Radio. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. I had a great time there. So, uh, 14 years, a long time, huh? And um, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the city. Um, uh, they're passionate. They love football. I, mean, I can't wait till uh, Kansas City and Philly clash. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome, man. I mean, what a great, what a great Super Bowl will be. That's Andy Reid. His years in Philadelphia. Remember, 
he was kind of let go in Philadelphia at the end. He couldn't win the big, big one. He got to a Super Bowl, but now he's automatic in Kansas City, and that's a big storyline as we continue here. JT, back with you. Miles Simmons, kind enough to join us. Always been a great guest. We welcome him in here for the new year as we head out to the Super Bowl from Pro Football Talk. And, and Miles, to start, I, said, I saw you tweeted awkward when Derek Carr was named to the Pro Bowl. Is it more awkward that the Pro Bowl's in Vegas or the fact that he's a seventh or eighth alternate to play in this flag football tournament? Oh, man. I mean, all of the above. This is such a weird thing, JT, that they're doing out there. in the Pro Bowl games, I I refuse to call it the Pro Bowl now because there's not even a game. They're doing flag football. They're doing other activities that I guess are sort of made for television. Maybe we're talking about dodgeball. I don't – I guess it's nice that it's happening but I'm not upset that I'm going to be traveling to Phoenix on Sunday for the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to be able to watch it. <laughs> it's incredible to me what's happened. They made a mockery out of this. I think the skills challenge is great, but how do we look back at pro bowlers of the past, especially going forward when Tyler Huntley makes the pro bowl with only two touchdown passes? What does this say about future pro bowlers? Yeah, I, I have no idea. It doesn't say anything good. I mean, at least, you know, in the NFC, you've got Jared Goff, who is, I think, a worthy replacement for Jalen Hurts when it comes to um, the, uh, being an alternate and all that. But uh, when you look at the AFC and you've got Derek Carr, who was benched by his own team, you've got Tyler Huntley, who started a few games and had a couple of touchdown passes. And then Trevor Lawrence, who, yeah, at least he was on a, quarter, a quarterback of a division winner. I mean, my goodness, this is, this is not really something that I think is great. Uh, Miles Simmons is our guest. You know, for I think the big topic here not enough people are talking about is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is deciding to play golf at Pebble Beach at the AT&T Pro-Am. That's the best Pro-Am in the world at Pebble Beach, if you're a golfer, but he claims to be out of the Pro Bowl because he has an elbow injury, and then he's going to play a sport where you need your elbow even more so than a football player in golf. I think even, I understand why he's going. He loves golf, and he doesn't care about this flag football game, but doesn't he have a job to promote the sport and be an ambassador to the sport here in Vegas? Uh, I mean, I, I see the argument. Mm. I don't... Uh... But I don't blame him for what he's doing. I mean, because at a certain point, you know, like, what, what really does he have to do to be an ambassador for the sport when the sport is not even the sport? You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's kind of a mockery of football in a way when you're talking about what the Pro Bowl game. I mean, they're going to play dodgeball. This is not ESPN 8, the Ocho. You know, it's not a movie. It's real life stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the Pro Bowl should be. I don't even know that it really should exist. Um, but here we are, and they're going to do something this week. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing next year, but you know, I, even with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning kind of being the frontman for this thing, it just it, it doesn't generate much interest for me. Miles Simmons is our guest. Miles, let me jump into the Kansas City-Cincinnati game. We've had a couple of days to get away from it. I thought that Kansas City was able to profit, if that's the right term, and advance from more calls that went in their favor, or most importantly, more non-calls that went in their favor, blocks in the back, holding on that last drive. I had no problem with the late hit out of bounds there, but going back and looking at that game, watching it in real time, and then looking at the tape, do you think Kansas City had a little bit of an advantage over the Bengals? Maybe. I mean, I, I think that there is sort of the argument where you look at that 
um, whole thing, the whole debacle with, well, the clock didn't start. Well, the clock was supposed to start. Oh, actually, no, the clock wasn't supposed to start. And now we got an official running on the field and trying to stop play because the clock is running where it's, where it's not supposed to. And I understand why, if you're Cincinnati, you think you might have gotten dropped a little bit. But what I would say is that Jesse Bates, their safety, who's been you know, a really good player for them for a while, and let's see what happens with him in free agency. But he even said, you know, that whole thing did not really affect the outcome of the game because eventually the Bengals got the stop. And I think that the Bengals had every chance to win that game, and they didn't. Now, you convert third and 16 inside of a minute, and you don't get the next set of downs because Chris Jones just absolutely wrecked stop over the right tackle mm-hmm. and gets to Joe Burrow on third and eight. Uh, those are things where, you know, and players say this, and it's kind of cliche, but Kansas City made the plays and Cincinnati didn't. And that's where I understand why you might be frustrated, but at the end of the day, officiating is not the reason why Cincinnati lost that game. Miles Simmons is our guest, Pro Football Talk. So I love the quarterback carousel. I like the gossip around quarterbacks, not tight ends and backup offensive linemen. This is the big position. And I think there's got to be a little bit of, Truth to the rumor that Tom Brady could be interested in the Niners because the Niners have injured quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo's not coming back. Uh, Brock Purdy's hurt. He's going to miss everything in the offseason. And Trey Lance isn't ready with that Pro Bowl roster on both sides of the ball. Who do you think's the front runner to go to Santa Clara? Aaron Rodgers in a trade or Tom Brady in free agency? I would probably say Tom Brady in free agency. And I think part of it is because the 49ers by all counts, have a little bit of regret for not going after Tom Brady when they had the chance in 2020. I mean, he wanted to go there. Well, that's the team he grew up rooting for. And the 49ers politely said thanks, but no thanks. And then they watched him go to Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl. And I, I think that, you know, we can say from what's happened in the last couple of years with the 49ers, if Tom Brady had been on that team, I mean, they, they probably would have mm-hmm. at least one Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and Tom Brady can still get it done. There, he can still pass. You know, he set the completions record this year. And if you go to a place that is so quarterback friendly, like San Francisco is, with that system with Kyle Shanahan, you have guys like Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell running the ball. It takes some pressure off of you as a passer. And it should make things easier for him and open things up offensively. So I can certainly see him going there. And then that gives Trey Lance the more time to get ready and to mature. Because we really don't know anything about what Trey Lance can be as a quarterback. But because he doesn't have that experience, it might behoove him to get a little more seasoning. And playing behind Tom Brady probably isn't going to be a bad thing. Wrapping up with Miles Simmons' pro football talk. So the Chargers hired Kellen Moore as their new OC. I don't know how anybody could like that move because I thought he was going to be a head coach two months ago. Two months ago, everything I read was he's going to leave the Cowboys and be a head coach because there were going to be opportunities there. What do you think the process was for Jerry and Stephen Jones and Mike McCarthy to sit there? Did someone's head need to roll even though they won 12 games, but the fact that they lost to the 49ers, why couldn't they bring the whole band back and even maybe give more and more money to stay because I think he gets an upgrade at the quarterback with Justin Herbert moving to the Chargers. Well, I would agree with you, first off, on the whole, you know, getting an upgrade at quarterback with Herbert. And I think this is, should be really good for Herbert's career because and I watched a lot of Chargers games being here in Los Angeles. You just get frustrated with the amount of passes that were thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage. And 
I just think the depth of target is going to go up with Kellen Moore's offense and him throwing to guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think that should be a good thing. But when it comes to Dallas, it seems to me that Mike McCarthy wants to do things more his way. Mm -hmm. And Kellen Moore, you know, was a holdover from the Jason Garrett staff in part because Dak Prescott at that point was still a pretty young quarterback. You know, he's up and coming. He was learning things and you wanted to keep that continuity within the system. I think that Mike McCarthy has a better grasp of who Dak Prescott is as a quarterback and what that offense can be. And, you know, if they don't do better next year than they did this year, you could say that Mike McCarthy could be on the hot seat. And I feel like if you're Mike McCarthy, Mm -hmm. you want to go and you want to do it your way. And so that's exactly what I think we're going to see now. All right, Miles, we'll see you on Radio Row. Look forward to seeing you up and close and in person there in Phoenix. Give me one storyline that you think you're going to be writing about and talking about as you're in Phoenix with us. Oh, boy, man, there are so many. Um, I'll go with the thing that's really close and near and dear to my heart as a kid from Cleveland, and I know people are going to get sick of it, but I'm not. The Kelsey brothers, mm-hmm. they're from right down the road, from Mean Shaker Heights, they're from Cleveland Heights. They grew up right there in the Cleveland suburbs. They both attended Cleveland Heights High School. I think it's awesome to have a pair of brothers for the first time being on opposite sidelines going against each other. Outstanding. It is a great storyline. It means a lot. Miles, thanks a lot. We'll see you out in Phoenix. Appreciate you. Absolutely, JT. Take care. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. That is a big storyline. When your team doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, you have to watch the storylines of other teams, and they're going to play that up big. What are the biggest storylines going into the Super Bowl? One, Mahomes' injury. As, as well as he played, he was injured. You could see him, and he took a big hit. He took a big hit at the end of that game. He might have been acting a bit for that flag, but he took a big hit. Then you look at the Kelsey brothers, and then Andy Reid versus Philadelphia. Then Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts could go from being a guy that everybody doubted and who got benched at Alabama for Tua could end up being an African-American quarterback winning the Super Bowl and an MVP candidate for the rest of his career. Not a lot of people had that, but I knew he was going to be good. I liked him a lot because I saw him play. Went to Oklahoma when my son got there. I always thought that was amazing how hard he worked when he transferred from Alabama after graduating to go to Oklahoma with a year of eligibility and play that hard for the Sooners like those were his brothers on top of his Alabama brothers. And he didn't do it for an agenda. He just wanted to play football. Wanted to play, wanted to get in the gym, wanted to get better. And look at him now. He's probably going to get a contract down the road of $300 million. Because when he went to Oklahoma and people said, oh, he's done at Alabama, what it'll be like. He's a finalist for the Heisman at Oklahoma. I mean, the kid's story is incredible. And I've always liked him from day one, even though I don't like the dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds. Modelo, do you have a bucket of Modelo with me on Friday? Do what I do. Take the bucket, put the Modellos in the bucket beautifully. The bottles, I like the bottles. I put ice on it, have it right outside the sun in my backyard, and I look through the window, and I see that bucket of Modellos, and I reward myself with that on a Friday after a week on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. This is something to dream about as a kid, and uh, all these guys on our team have dreamt, dreamt about this their entire lives, too. And so just to be able to do this together with a bunch of men that love each other, that are connected to each other, that would do anything for each other, it's pretty sweet. That's Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles, going to the Super Bowl. Give him all the credit in the world, the job he's done with that team. 
JT, back with you. We're excited to have this great Super Bowl connection, and we're thrilled to be a part of Raisin Canes. I always talk about Raisin Canes on this show, and they have a great appearance today uh, with the Raider. And I love the fact that Raisin Canes is a proud partner of ours, Raider Nation Radio. And today they have a great event, Denzel Perriman. We'll be making an appearance at Raisin Cane's on Las Vegas Boulevard South today between 3.30 and 5.30, helping promote a food drive for at-risk children. Raisin Cane's, proud partner of our show. What a great job they're doing in the community. As we bring in Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. Man, I just want to hear you tell me some stories about what happened last Sunday at the Westgate. Start with the first game, especially when Purdy's elbow blew up and he was out of the game. What was it like at the window? Well, we couldn't stop the flood of uh, Eagle support on the end play at that point. I mean, you know, the 49ers being down uh, after he got hurt, and then Josh Johnson gets hurt. So you have uh, basically their fifth-string quarterback, but Purdy has to go back in there and not being able to throw a pass. So it was, it was difficult to attract some 49ers support. I had some friends as I was watching the games that got blown up in that first game, and they were chasing the second game. And we'll get to the second game in a minute, but I want to ask you from the parlays of the first game for those who were on San Francisco, even might have teased it and all of that, and that, how that affected not only your book but the public that day. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot on there, but it, you know, a majority of the bets came on, on the Eagles. So we had a lot of support on Philadelphia, and that was basically a, a losing proposition for us there. But, uh, you know, the game opened up one and a half on the Eagles, closed two and a half, actually closed minus three even mm-hmm. on the Eagles. So we didn't see San Francisco support until we got to the number of three. So pretty overwhelming on the Eagles side. All right, Jeff Sherman's our guest. What would you see in the second game? That was chaos, and I know you're in the business, and you're not into witchcraft and conspiracy theories and you know the, the league trying to do certain things. But that game was chaotic, especially – from the perspective of the officials, walk me through what happened in that game. Yeah, well, we had a, that was the strongest dichotomy of split between the public and the Sharps that I've seen in a while. And wow. The public was all over the Bengals. The Sharps were all over the Chiefs. And then when you're talking about from an in-play standpoint, we kept getting Bengals support at halftime into the third quarter. So the public really kept with the Bengals. And most of the wagers that they had on in-play, they got there because it was on the other side of three. But uh, throughout the game, people just still believed in the Bengals. And, you know, to be honest, the Chiefs were lucky to win that game. Yeah, Jeff Sherman's our guest. I saw that live. I saw a couple of my buddies chasing the Bengals because of what happened earlier in the day to them and their losses, and they wanted to chase on the back end. And they really thought there was good value there with the Bengals. And, Jeff, what was it like when the Bengals tied that game up at 20? They got back in the game and looked like they had a lot of momentum coming down to the finish line. At least I thought it was going overtime. Yeah, and the price on the end play was right around pick them on both sides, pick minus 130 and pick minus 30 on the other side at that point. And we saw so much support, but it was still more on the Bengals' side. So people really believe that the Bengals were going to pull that through, even if it went to overtime. What did you see on the totals in the bo- in both games there, especially Cincinnati and Kansas City, and the way people teased the numbers going into that second game? Again, I'm fascinated on how you saw that behind the scenes analytically as people were fighting for the total and obviously playing Cincinnati on the back half of that game. Well, we saw support on both totals over, and mm-hmm. as you mentioned, teasing it, they were teasing the over in addition to that too. So. Um, you know, that we opened the, the Kansas City one, 49. It got as low as 47, and then back up to 48, 48 and a half uh, right before kickoff. But um, a lot of support late on the over of both of them. 
Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. So I see you have it right now, Philadelphia minus one and a half. Here, total 49 and a half. What'd you open it up with? What type of support are you seeing? Uh, we opened pick and 48 and a half. And mm-hmm. our first large wager was on the Chiefs at Pickham. We took 20,000 on the Chiefs. We didn't move the number. Um, the more we thought about it with the injuries that the Chiefs are going through, starting with Mahomes to some of the players that lost last week, we felt that it was going to move towards the Eagles, which it did. And we saw some support Sunday evening. It got the Eagles as high as minus two and a half. And, and lately it's been some chief support coming back on it to drag us back down to one and a half. Uh, the total we opened 48 and a half, and that's been pretty steady on the over to get us up to 49 and a half. So, Jeff, what's going to happen with the prop bets? When I talk to you next week from Phoenix, what are you sensing now? This is the biggest week. Am it fair to say for the year for you, especially with all these props that you're putting up and tying them into other sports? What's that like for you and your staff? Yeah, we're uh, we're in the midst of doing that now. We started this morning, and it's going to carry all the way through tomorrow, making the numbers. We'll get them up Thursday night at 7 p.m., uh, but we're trying to do variations of each player, um, just as many as we can think of, coming up with new ones. Uh, and as you mentioned, cross-sport ones will include other sports over that weekend, too, all the way to some rugby, the Six Nations rugby in Europe, things like that. So trying to be as creative as we can, and we'll have those up in a couple days. And then it's great because we have a you know a week and a half to take action on these. Yeah, finally, a lot of the Sharps like to pound on those early because they think they have value there. How have you evolved on that in the beginning? I mean, it's a, it's a, you got a whole bunch of props, and there's a lot of opportunities for the public to bet on this, but the Sharps think they have value because they've been watching it closer all year. How have you changed your mind on this? How has it evolved over the last couple of years? Well, the one thing when we get these up on Thursday night, it's mostly generated by sharp play. Mm-hmm. And the public really doesn't get involved until the weekend of the game. So we try to make these numbers geared that way. And most of the sharps will, will bet unders and nos in the props to begin with. So if we make a number, we might accentuate it a little bit by, by making the, the price stronger towards those directions. Uh, lastly, on the NBA, uh, who's the leader now in the clubhouse? Who do you think? Who's got the shortest odds? And maybe give me a team that's got some value here because I'm looking at load management every day. It's about LeBron now for the next week or so when he breaks Kareem's record. Yeah, I mean, the shortest odds right now are the Celtics. They're plus 375, so just short of 4-1. to one. And Denver's ruling the way in the West, and their second title favorites at 6-1. to one. Um, But if you look down the board mid- mid-range, I think Philadelphia in the 12-1 to one range and the Clippers are starting to play well. And when they're a healthy unit, you know, I've been on them since mm-hmm. the start of the year. I played them at 8-1, to one, but now you can find as high as between 10 and 12-1 to one on them. And, you know, they're built for the playoffs, and if they can just get themselves in position to be healthy, I think they're going to be extremely dangerous. And odds, if you can give me two or three, I see Spieth at 12-1, to one, Fitzpatrick 10-1. to one. What are you looking here at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am? Yeah, really top-heavy between Fitzpatrick, Spieth, and Hovland, and a big mm-hmm. drop after that. Uh, Seamus Power in the mid-20s, he might offer some value. He's played well there before. Um, But it's really a week to look for some guys between 50 and 100 to 1. Guys like Joseph Bramlett, Callum Tarrin. I like Bo Hostler this week at 80 to 1. And I hang out with Seamus at the Raider games as he's here in town there. I'll be pulling for him. Jeff, we'll talk to you from Radio Row next week. Thanks for the time. All right, thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Very chaotic time here. Very chaotic time. If you if you followed what was happening last week in that Cincinnati game, I talked about it a little bit the first two days of this week, is that how everybody was chasing Cincinnati if their teasers blew up, if they were not in a good spot, and people kept betting Cincinnati. Second-half number, keep hoping that Cincinnati was going to come back to save the day. Las Vegas locally just tweeted this. 
Las Vegas Strip Casinos won $814 million last month. A new all-time record. Statewide, Nevada Casinos won $14.8 billion in 2022. Also a new all-time record. Aren't we coming off COVID? Aren't we coming off a little dip in the economy? Higher interest rates? Inflation? Man, this industry of casinos, man. Bugsy was right when he came out here, when they started this whole thing. Look at it now. You think Bugsy, when he came out here, thought that there'd be $814 million last night? Excuse me, last month on the Vegas Strip? Almost a billion dollars in a month. Man, it's not going away. Bet with your wallet, not with your head. That hour flew by. Mike North next hour. Your phone calls, 702-365-9200. And I'll do another rant on the Pro Bowl and who are the real Pro Bowlers.